And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and cowabunga, dudes! <laughs> that was for you, Sebastian. Ugh, what? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Cowabunga it is. Cowabunga. Yeah, my burp. I hope I got that on camera. But uh, that perfectly explains my reaction to yesterday. There was a lot more. What in the shit is that? (laughs) I just like I'm trying to watch this this thing that you're showing us, man. And I guess for context, okay, it's a video about like this SCP thing. And I'm like, stop it. Like, please. And I see like Michelangelo is like a button on this guy's fucking tactical gear. And I I couldn't stop thinking about it, man. Like I'm waking up in cold sweats thinking like who who made that director's choice see i'm i'm surprised it took you that long to notice it because i like directly called it out when it first showed up i noticed it immediately i'm like this is in such high contrast i know that face anywhere and the the memes the constant memes um but if that's our intro i think we're good (laughs) (laughs) and also for those listening it was overlord Check it out. It's yes. Awesome. Overlord. There we go. Oh, yeah. In case listeners were wondering, uh, well, we just we just basically explained what the hell we were just talking about. But uh, in case people are wondering who the uh, the returning disembodied voice uh, on Mars on Life is, I guess you can uh, reintroduce yourself. Hello, everybody. It is I, Ryan Wilson, again. And, uh, you know, last year, I'll put it this way, you know. Give a little bit more context. Uh, obviously, this episode's going to be dropping on Halloween. Last year, we did do a Halloween episode that was like about a half hour long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bonus episode. Sebastian and I talked about The Exorcist 3, uh, which I love it. I know you don't. I don't um, at all. That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's totally fine. I'm hoping to get more people to watch it this weekend, uh, convert more people uh, to the cult don't, of don't George C. It. Scott. Please. He's really trying to inflict that harm on as many people as possible. I know. I thought you're supposed to be a man for the people. What'd you get that journalism degree for? Hey, man. You know what? I I, I like me. I I love me some, uh, you know, some some authors directing movies. What can I say? Um, Just just love catharsis. Just come out and say it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we won't be talking about that movie, obviously, uh, even though. I still feel safe in my my appreciation of it. Uh, we're talking about a much different movie, something that I've brought up. I think for at least a year now, I've been bringing this movie up on the show. And I know it was something that was talked about when Tommy Gallegos came on the show, when we talked a little bit about movies that kind of evoke some of the feelings as well as some of the actions on display throughout the pandemic. And in some ways, I think this movie kind of matches that and then adds a hell of a lot more, given that it's a several decade old IP. Uh, we're talking about Shin Godzilla at long last. I was going to say, I was going to say ma- matching the theme of the pandemic. So if we have like a, a 40 story lizard walking through metropolitan L.A. I mean, did that not happen? Because I was I was waiting to check it off on, you know, the apocalypse bingo. Bro, fucking mirrored real life, dude. Like, did that not happen like last August? 
I certainly understand, like, the precedent, like, oh, like, we only have, the only thing we have to fear is the unknown, but I feel as though COVID and Godzilla are two different things, so. It's well, it, some reason why I brought it up in the past has mainly been because of the fact that this movie is, in some ways, it's a political satire, just because it shows, you know, and we talked about it yesterday, sort of the red tape and bureaucracy that limits decisive action you know down to the point where it's like no wait we need to abort because there's two civilians walking across a train track and the giant googly-eyed lizard is uh (laughs) just waiting there and chilling you know waiting and that idea of like you know okay so all these people trying to protect us and lead us are taking their sweet ass time and obviously with covid it's a little bit different you had mismanagement mishandling bad messaging but there was still stuff kind of falling through the cracks of government. And in this case, like you, you certainly saw that in this movie, obviously if I had to go all the way back to like the original Godzilla, you saw a little bit of it, but it wasn't to such an extent just because the Japanese government could only do so much given that was like 10 years after the end of world war two. But um, anyway, I'm actually sending uh, a, a poster of the previous film just to put into context how starkly different this movie is from what had like come what had just come before it like 12 years earlier um why did why do the posters look so freaking cool by comparison <laughs> believe me i've seen a good chunk of this movie and let me tell you it, it doesn't live up to that epic scale so there's godzilla Guy Gan, Ghidorah. No, 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 not Ghidorah. My bad. Uh, Ghidorah is kind of on there, but he 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 kind of transforms from one new creature into okay. Ghidorah. Um, okay, interesting. Oh, there's a swamp monster. I think. Where are you guys uh, seeing this? Because I am not. It's in. I think it's in the group chat. Um. So oh, I guess. Uh, text it. Where's yeah. So I, I guess there. as a text. Oh no, Ghidorah is in there. Talk. Oh shit. Okay. Oh, he is in there. Okay. So I guess it's a talking point while uh, Wilson finds the photo and analyzes it. So you're trying mm. to convince me that that government is is even more incompetent or I mean, <laughs> that was definitely showcased. I don't I don't really know what <laughs> I would well, say like that. I, I would say not to so be made. much incompetent, but they just have so much red tape to go through that their hands are tied, especially in moments of intense need and like right action. Yeah. But because it's a movie, even in the moments of intense need, the heroes found a way to save the day and overlook the city. Oh, we did it. You know, we we smashed through the red tape, guys. We cut it. So I, I like how do vigilante justice against the giant. Well, lizard. I mean, if for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, spoiler to anyone who hasn't, even though it's uh, what, five years since it's uh, it's debut, yeah. it doesn't quite end on the ending that you would expect even though that uh gojira in direct translation is uh frozen there so they don't actually kill him they just kind of immobilize him and that's you're, you're kind of left to your own imagination on that one so right vigilante justice i'm they it's sort of like the whole oh we saved the day but at what cost <laughs> and in the last 10 seconds of the movie you'll you'll come to find out what that means no oh, yeah so but uh, yeah i mean like yesterday that was 
admittedly my first time. No, I watched the 2014 one, right? That was when the other one came out. The second American one, the one with Brian Cranston. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, I saw that one. Um, I think that was the one where Godzilla just like, uh, I, I'm going to botch this name, but I, I can't stop thinking of Pokemon, uh, hyper beamed the fuck out of that monster. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Down his throat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that was the last one that I saw. But this one, it definitely was not the ending that I expected. Uh, you did deliver on your promise of it being a film that kind of just ended more realistically. Because you got to understand, like these movies, these giant monster movies all ultimately end up in one way, especially if it's a versus movie. Whereas this monster just seemingly goes back to where it came from. Yeah, I'm tired. With, I'm going right. back to the sea now. With sort of a newfound respect for the humans, the friends we made along the way kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, at least the original version, they fell into the sea because no one wanted to see their favorite monster lose. And then I think with the 2014 version, didn't Godzilla just kind of walk away? Yeah, God- Godzilla's like, for for him being literally half the title of the movie he's barely in it mm-hmm. and he just kind of walks away at the end like okay i i i, I, I did the job yeah yeah <laughs> but you know i gotta say i think that's what makes that movie so like enjoyable is that it's not a hundred percent focused only on the giant monster it's more so dealing with like the actual crisis that the humans are facing with oh my god there's this giant monster tearing right. through the city what do we do and I find yeah. that kind of fun. And that was something that, you know, this movie, again, it, it needed to go in a different direction just because over the, traje- the trajectory of the Godzilla franchise, he's gone from being this villain, you know, destroying Japan, being sort of this consequence of both the attacks on Japan at the end of World War II, as well as all of the nuclear testing done in the Pacific Ocean following the end of World War Two, And, you know, he, he kind of transformed into more of an anti-hero. And then by the time it reached the 60s and 70s, he was kind of a full-on kid's hero. And they kind of made him look more cute, make yeah. him look a little bit less menacing. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and they was, went on a brief hiatus. I was going to yeah, say, go it, was the other, it was the other monsters in comparison that looked more evil. And it's like, Godzilla, save us! You know, probably horribly dubbed. But in that kind of way, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, now Godzilla's the hero. Now, you know, him and Mothra can, I don't know, kick butt together. Yeah. And, and you know, as the movies progressed from, like, the early 80s into uh, the millennium, <laughs> you know, he, he kind of goes through a similar transformation where he's kind of a villain again in the 1984 it wasn't a reboot, but it was meant to be a sequel to the very first film. Because um, obviously, and this is spoilers to a movie that's been out for almost, I think, 70 years. But that's like the, saying spoilers for reading The Hobbit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Bofer. Um, but like, uh, how could he die? Um, like at the end of the very, very, very first movie, Godzilla does die. But of course, in the second one, he just kind of shows up again and they just say, oh, well, it's another one. And they, you know, they kind of hint that at the end of the first movie. And so going forward, it's supposed to be the same one. 
this one in the 1980s kind of restarts that idea and makes it a little bit darker, makes him a little bit more evil. He certainly looks more evil. And then he kind of comes full circle again in being sort of the campy hero, which by that point, Godzilla movies weren't making any money. It was 2004. They realized, well, they being Toho, the production company that has, you know, made all the Godzilla uh, Godzilla movies up until this point, minus the American made ones. Um, And so they just figured, well, for the 50th, we'll just go out with a bang and make a remake of I think the movie was all monsters or monsters all out attack which I've seen that movie. And let me tell you, for a movie about all of the monsters in the Godzilla canon up until that point, there really weren't a lot of monsters in that movie. Uh, so Criterion, what are you thinking with that movie? Um, <laughs> and then finally they said, well, hey, you know, we can get the, the guys that worked on the Evangelion movies and TV show and do a third reboot. And that's exactly what they did with what, became the 29th Godzilla movie produced by Toho, came out in 2016. And uh, just to kind of read off, of course, what it says on our very reliable resource, Wikipedia. Uh, in the film, politicians <laughs> struggle with bureaucratic red tape in order, to, in order to deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster that evolves whenever it is attacked. Now, on that point of evolution, I got to say, I loved your guys' reactions to... The first instance that you see Godzilla, because I, I swear you, you guys are both acting like I was trolling you like, oh, God, Mancini punked us into watching this big googly eyed. Uh, I mean, finds re- Tokyo. First yeah. looking at it, I'm like, what is this wily ass fucking tadpole? Just you're going to call this Godzilla. And at first I was kind of like, OK, something's up here because there's no no. Yeah. Way. There's still 120 minutes left, Mancini. Surely this can't be it, you know? Like, it... <laughs> surprise, got him. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was. Just gonna awkwardly weird. slam my face against all, every building and bleed on things from my gills. Paint the town red. <laughs> but yeah, like when I. That was a very interesting take on Godzilla, because like, granted. The only other Godzilla movie I've seen was the 98 Godzilla, mm. which okay. say what you want. I know it's awful. I enjoyed it. Maybe it's also because nostalgia and I haven't seen it since like, I don't know, like I was going to say, I'm sure that it has something. Like a, I'm sure that it has like a certain charm. So yeah. hence like the entire franchise. But, you know, let's be real. Right. <laughs> yeah. See, In a lot of ways, you can thank that movie for getting a lot of us dumb Americans into Godzilla. Yeah, that's true. Now, you know what? I, I will say with Japanese media in particular, and there's one instance I know that I know of that the Japanese intendedly made a piece of media for us, quote unquote, dumb Americans in order to get us into this series. And that series, funny enough, is Final Fantasy. And I know this because they made a game called uh, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest which if you know anything about rpgs role-playing games they are very convoluted to the point where most people would not have the patience to enjoy them okay unless you are very much a hardcore yeah the stories are so good but the but the gameplay is like if you didn't grow up with them i can imagine you not having respect for them but final Mm -hmm. fantasy mystic quest 
if you have not played the game, and you probably haven't because it's relatively obscure, it is a game that is so dumbed down, made specifically <laughs> for Westerners, and almost kind of like as a backhanded insult of like, oh, well, this isn't what you guys want, but this is something that you'd understand. Now see if you can keep up with us, herder. Ironically enough, it had the opposite reaction americans loved it and then they got invested in the series now that isn't attributing to final fantasy success but that, that is an example of hey we kind of need to dumb it down for those mm -hmm. for those so people they, in the west kind of thing so they quite literally made a game that was just for unga bunga americans basically to try and figure out what's what is their storytelling there you go there you go like there is no um there there's no subtlety when it comes to pacing. It's like, oh, we're going here, we're going here, we're going here. There's no like, oh, you know, maybe we should look inside ourselves and, you know, power of friendship and it'll guide us. It's like, no, we're we're doing this. Okay, that mm -hmm. that brings up, like, the comment that I made yesterday about how, like, the stark difference in storytelling between the West and the East being like, Western media is so heavy-handed, in-your-face, brutish, look at it, this mm -hmm. is what's happening. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, well, just using Japanese media for an example, like it's so much more nuanced. It's a lot more like subtle. And that's why I feel that it's just a better form of storytelling, because in a short amount of time with some of their media, you can get really attached and like get really invested. Yeah, I remember like, having it thrown in your face. I remember reading a quote that said there is no single Japanese word for pacing. And I'm sure that there is. It was probably just comedic hyperbole. But it's exactly right. You end up seeing a piece of like, you know, Japanese media and you think to yourself, well, where's the, like, where's the exposition? And, and sometimes it can go either really fast or really slow. It really depends on what sort of genre that we're dealing with. And it's like Japanese handle it obviously much, much differently than than we do. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of something that I think a lot of people looking to watch imported films or something to that effect aren't used to and they and possibly even dismiss it as being like oh well you know fox and the grapes i don't understand it i can't get it therefore i don't like it so mm. and that's just sort of the barrier well that's one of the barriers i think a lot of people have with with foreign media but yeah oh and on top of that too you know you can have translations of japanese media as well oh eastern and western media and have them translate well to the other side you know and, and and two great examples of that one i brought up yesterday was um akira kurosawa did the film throne of blood which is his way a kabuki style misty eerie dark and almost it's almost like a horror movie and it you know it's in black and white and the makeup that everyone wears, it, it, it just, you know, and the voices of all the characters, it just makes it this very atmospheric film, but it's a retelling of Macbeth. And hmm. and frankly, it's the only re it's the only telling of Macbeth I can watch because I I've seen other tellings of Macbeth, including uh, I think the one with Patrick Stewart. And I, I just couldn't get invested with this. The horror elements really sold it to me. And of course, sticking with Kurosawa, uh, his film Forbidden Fortress translated 
very, very well in the United States because uh, it was basically Star Wars A New Hope. Like, you don't know how well it's going to translate if it winds up getting remade. And, of course, we've talked about that before with Squid Game on the show. And I, personally, I hope there isn't an American adaptation of it. But you know what? It's probably you know it's gonna already. Happen. It's, it's going to happen. There's already yeah. screenwriters in a room somewhere in Hollywood right now working at as, Netflix, thinking about what how they're going to adapt yeah. it with Chris Pratt as uh, Gion or something. I mean, as much as it is, <laughs> if there's already like influencers and stuff like that trying to create their own version of it, because that's a thing, apparently, like, yeah. oh, God, yeah, then you already know that some American screenwriters like, guys, guys, I have an idea. Let's just take it and say we made it. Yeah, as that. much as I wish, as much as I wish that, you know, Americans or like America in general can like hopefully make up straight up bloodbaths like hobo with a shotgun again just dumb dark <laughs> satirical comedies it doesn't happen very often you know yeah. you you can't get away with this unless you're in sort of an eastern setting where it's probably less frowned upon and and it's very more in your face but there is an air of subtlety to it because past squid games violence there is a great story i feel um mm -hmm. but you don't see that here in the west and that's unfortunate because you know when we do kind of grace that line it ends up being like a dark comedy like again the only thing i can think of is hobo with a shotgun i mean i mm -hmm. enjoyed that movie or you know, the risks that it took even though it was sort of just a one-off kind of thing I, but, I would say potentially what about the saw franchise though the Saw franchise like, was definitely a franchise that couldn't stand on its own legs because of the amount of sequels that it had. And, and yeah, you could you could definitely weave the whole non-Euclidean uh, storytelling in there and all the twists and turns. But it's like there is a certain charm that the first Saw has that uh, Saw 7 does not. OK, fair. I'll give you that. Yeah, because mm -hmm. in that case, it's not just two guys making a, like a film school project with no budget right. in a single bathroom. <laughs> now see that like when I, when I found that out, I was just like, Jesus Christ, like more movies like this, please. And I think it's kind of the thing where, you know, I, I'm not here to be like a film snob, but when we had Tommy Gallegos on the show, I sort of kept quiet until you said, uh, you know, until Mancini, you were like, well, what do you think about this movie? And I just said, frankly, I don't care. And then <laughs> I brought up clerks being my favorite movie of all time and there was sort of a i wouldn't call it like uh, dissonance or i'm not sure what really word to use but there was a disconnect between clearly what movies you two liked versus what movies i happen to like and i think sort of the charm and the homeliness of it feels right to me where it otherwise mm -hmm. would feel right to anyone else because in, in an instance like the saw franchise yeah there wasn't really any way else for it to go other than up, but the movies kept on sucking more and more. So right at cost, you know, I like, I haven't personally seen the entire franchise. Personally, I don't care for just horror movies that are only just straight up gore because to me, that's yeah. just like, Oh boy, whatever. I want a story. I want to be creeped out. Give me psychological horror. Give me the thing, you know? Right. But I do know that there's some, people who are so head over heels about the entire franchise for the story. 
which mm-hmm. I, has me curious to be like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I, I should sit down and actually re, like watch this all the way I through. I will say, if you can separate the story from the gore porn, you will find something very worthwhile. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I guess if you have a, a, a an inkling of curiosity for the creativity that goes into some of these traps, that too, because it is very good, I feel, set design. But if you can't handle, like, hokey dialogue, <laughs> if that's going to be the nail that seals the coffin then you, you don't like horror movies it. well yeah but there's some horror movies that end up doing it very well there's you know uh you end up ha- having psychological horror movies like cube for instance which is actually one of my favorite psychological horror movies and the dialogue and sort of the 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 people in that movie's quirks those are their, their strengths so they play to their mm-hmm. own strengths which are their personalities um, if you haven't seen Cube, great movie. Watch it. It is also very, I'm not going to say in your face, but uh, just trust me. Give it a watch. Don't watch the sequels, though. But, yeah. <laughs> well, and going back to the, to Godzilla and kind of the, the eastern-western sort of dichotomy, um, I was just kind of quickly looking over some of the uh, American reviews for this movie because it killed in japan like it was it was like the highest grossing film uh that came out of japan that year it it at that time was i think and for all i know it might still be the highest grossing godzilla film ever made and a lot of the responses from american critics while a fair few of them were pretty mixed there were also quite a lot of them that said yeah this was much more coherent and much better than the 2014 film and hmm. I think, too, it it plays into the fact that, you know, number one, we don't need to have one giant, you know, universe building plot the way that the first uh, or, well, the first in the monster verse Godzilla movies, you know, the, the 2014 one was starting out a, a whole cinematic universe for Toho and Legendary and Warner Brothers. This movie Given that they announced in 2018 that there won't be a sequel, which I kept bringing up yesterday, you know, it, it's it's very self-contained and, you know, outside of all of the, you know, government handling of it with the inept prime minister, um, which we'll get to him in a second, because I, I want to talk about our reaction to something that happens to him. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. You know, <laughs> The movie, the movie does a good job at not needing to go overboard with making you so invested in the characters when, at the end of the day, you're watching a one-off Godzilla movie, and fundamentally you want to see him wreak havoc. And a part of the reason why I thought this was a good movie for this time of year is mainly because, again, you know, thanks to the 2014 movies and thanks to sort of the perception of Godzilla he is seen as this hero and this kind of big lizard that is dangerous and certainly something that will wipe off you know wipe out humanity if he really wanted to but you know oh he's he's got a good heart no this Godzilla as I've said since I first saw this movie and first reviewed it for our college newspaper he is a walking scab with googly eyes and splinters for teeth who just doesn't care (laughs) And he will destroy everything in his path. And 
he evolves throughout the film. So obviously by the time he resurfaces, he looks a little bit closer adjacent to the Godzilla that we're all used to. And uh, then night falls and, Mm. uh, you know, Godzilla is getting hammered by missiles, uh, both by, you know, he's getting shot down, of course, by the Japanese military. And then he's getting bombed by the Americans. And then it leads into probably, you know, he's creepy throughout the whole film. Well, you know, like when I went and saw it in the theater, there were a bunch of hardcore Godzilla fans, you know, holding these cuddly plushes of Godzilla. And I'm like, yeah, no, this ain't that Godzilla. This is like, you know, it's like if we were watching a Scooby-Doo movie, but Scooby-Doo looked emaciated, burned, and was <laughs> slaughtering everybody. And that's basically what we saw What we saw on full display. I found um, it kind of humorous that some people are sitting there with a little like, oh, Godzilla cares about me, plushie. And it's just like, no, man, it, it's a lizard. Like, lizards have feelings. This one doesn't. This one yeah. only cares about destruction. Well, and again, it, it ties into what I was bringing up yesterday about sort of the message of Godzilla and how the first film, the first reboot, and then every reboot up until this one had to remind people that, no, this is a monster created by humanity trying to play God and, you know, split the atom. This movie heavily relied on not only the atomic elements of uh, the Fukushima uh, meltdown in 2011, but also the disaster that ensued from the tsunami that hit 10 years ago. And that's obviously something that you do see throughout the film. And it's almost kind of brushed aside by all the lead characters and the government. Like it's very, it's one of those things where you obviously it's a Godzilla movie. There's only so much that they can show you to get a wide audience, but also demonstrate the fact that this monster does not care and he will wipe out everybody he doesn't care what gender age what have you this monster is just going to plow through your city what did, um, what did madonna say what did madonna say about uh covid it's the great equalizer yeah oh, it's, it's the great equalizer all right yeah it just, it's, uh, it just happens to come in a giant lizard that people yeah. are just kind of like oh hey this is it's fine. very efficient it's very efficient about taking things out, and I made this comment that if you're in its lot, if you're in its path, like its walking path, then you know, yeah, you. Have, he moves so slowly that you have a chance to get out of the way. But I think I commented being like, "Oh, what if you were on the other side of the island? Like, if he turns, you're screwed. But like, if not, you could just sort of be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's well, ain't that a looker? This isn't a." Not Ain't my problem look. kind of situation. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, <laughs> is that why uh, the prime minister was just like, oh, we can't evacuate everyone yet? Like, it's not <laughs> their problem if he doesn't turn and walk. You know, there's probably one person who's like, oh, so that's why there's traffic today. OK, that makes sense. I'm probably not going to work <laughs> oh tomorrow. You know, there's they're that just, one they're, person. They're, they're attempting. Oh, I never understood this. They're on a freaking island. Where are they going? You know, there's no bridge yeah. that connects them to any other country. Like, of course, there's going to be traffic. It'd be I mean, more efficient to get out of your car and run, which, oh my God. But that's my car. <clears throat> I can't leave it behind. Oh, I can't leave it behind. <laughs> yeah. It's only mass produced in this country. At least, I'm still uh, making payments on it. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> but that, that's a good point. Oh, like, yeah, man. you're on an island. Where are you going to go? That actually kind of just turns the entire thing into a giant murderous game of freeze tag, where if you get tagged, well, you yeah. die. One big, one big cage, and the gate is the ocean. Because, like, what are you going to do? You're going to swim off the island? You're going to get away? I Honestly, the the best way, and, and I say this without any sort of uh, uh, differing opinion, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying this because from seeing the movie, it's obvious what infrastructure and vehicles were just blown to bits. And I busted out laughing when the... Uh, when the atomic breath just like totally sliced these aircrafts in half, mm-hmm. because there was a there was a key moment where like Godzilla swung its tail and it didn't hit a single building, and I was like on the edge of my seat for those fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. But hypothetically, if I took a boat out of the mainland, like I'd be out. Yeah, because that breath is not going to. It's not going to reach past, you know, the city limit. It's going to decimate the city, obviously. But, like, if I'm already, like, off into the Pacific, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, truly, the true winners of that entire thing were those who had boats or the fishermen. They're like, wow, fuck that. I'm going to just go, like, 30 knots this way as quickly as I can away Pretty from much. this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and in the past, like, the whole concept of like oh no godzilla's on the mainland what are we gonna do at some point he typically just gets tired or gives up and he's like okay i'm going back to the ocean now bye and (laughs) like he does that in the very first movie like they go to an island and i think i remember I, i remember sending a picture of you know this godzilla puppet showing up over the hillside and he just looked weird because they were like well our budget you know we'll use a puppet for this scene and, you know, he doesn't unleash the atomic breath. He doesn't do anything that chaotic. He literally just pops up like he's been asleep or something and then just walks into the ocean. This Godzilla, on the other hand, is like, eh, I'm going to keep <laughs> going. And, you know, like, everybody else can just get out of my way. Oh, man, um, when he squirted his atomic breath for the first time, you know, it first yeah. came out at like as like fire, and I'm just like, oh, okay, so this is how he's gonna do it. Oh no, he's bringing yeah, out. Then it turns into a hyper beam. beam. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Jesus oh, Christ. It, it yeah. still it still gives me chills just because like again, and I, I made this point about the 2014 Godzilla and how he just shoots his atomic breath down the throat of another creature in that movie, and it's supposed right. to be this like fist punching the air yeah moment and then you watch it in this movie and it's it's the complete opposite feeling of like oh my god we are so fucked <laughs> oh we did, oh no but we didn't react to it that way we reacted the same way a drunken frat bro would react to a touchdown be like fuck yeah like <laughs> yeah. look at that and then yeah, you get him with that breath yeah brother <laughs> <laughs> And then I and then I made the comment. I'm just like, oh my god, this city's so destroyed. It really wouldn't add any insult to injury if we just nuked the entire island again, would it? <laughs> like, there's no one on this island. Well, and then it's you see the so helicopter rising up with uh, the prime minister and the rest of his cabinet, <laughs> and you're just thinking, you're like, oh wait a minute, they're getting up into the air. Wait, 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 wait. And then you just see and the, then beam the beams just, shoot out of oh. his back, and it's just like, oh man, yeah, that. It's like you're not important to the story anymore. <laughs> that, that's, that's the that's the sitcom being like, 
that went well. <laughs> or no, it's it's the we'll be right back. <laughs> yes. Just throw it right there. Perfect Eric Andre cut. Film progresses and the United States gets a little bit more involved. They get more interested in Godzilla and suffice it to say their best uh, response to it is, well, we'll just nuke it. We just nuke it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, what, Ch- we, it's Ch- what we China, do. China, Korea, Taiwan, they don't do a damn thing, even though they're like, America, you know, <laughs> a couple of, yeah, a couple of miles. It. I'm sure you think it's about more, it but, and you're kind of like, gee, the U.S. government acted a lot quickly to this compared to um, how they didn't act at the end of that new James Bond movie. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh not not to say the Americans were going to save James Bond, but hey, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they could, maybe, maybe. Um, I, just, I, I find it kind of humorous how, like, you know, in that regard that all of the other, like, Asian government bodies were just kind of like, oh, we, yeah. we can't do anything. However, America's like, fuck yeah, I get to blow something up, I'm there! Well, and despite like, the fact that, like, they are so close geographically like in proximity to japan and it's like you're telling me that neither one of these mainlands off to the side had one remote chance of getting like an earthquake a tsunami on the coast like how is it not affected other places besides japan and i'm just like godzilla's just a localized problem for japan only (laughs) apparently well and and don't forget too and this has always been you know I, i i couldn't tell you where the thermometer rests when it comes to the Godzilla fandom on this point. But I know that isolating any one film to Japan, it obviously there's the whole idea that it makes it feel a little bit more contained, but at the same time, there's been a lot of Godzilla movies that including the American ones that have relied on the United States, Great Britain, France, whoever. And it starts to veer away from, well, we're trying to pay attention to Japan and make a Japanese movie. In this case, it's, again, taking it to as extreme, but also as realistic of a take on what would happen if a giant radioactive lizard, you know, came to Japan's shores. How would the world react? Oh, well, America would just, you know, whip out its nukes and be like, you know, Right. Oh, good, sir. You know, but but it's one of those things where it's like you got to look at it geographically again and be like, okay, Japan is 20 times less the size of the United States. So obviously, by default, there's going to be more damage. You know, this thing comes off the coast of California and it's just like, well, it's probably going to be stopped by the time it reaches Wyoming anyway, considering the country is just barren wasteland. So this movie was set in 2016. Godzilla was colluding with Vladimir Putin. So, you know, no. Putin was like, hey, Godzilla destroyed Japan. Just just, just go do it. Just go do it. I, we'll, we'll watch. Just go do it. Me and Kim will watch. Uh, Chi, the three of us will just watch. We'll just watch. You know, <laughs> New hot take. Godzilla is a Russian sleeper agent. Part of the KGB. All, all those all those redactions in the Mueller report. Godzilla. Yep. He Stone. No, Godzilla. No, always um, Godzilla. I'm going to start using that as my new scapegoat for literally who, anything. Who, who, re- who really controlled the lizard? Hmm? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. But um, the characters all figure out what little clues that they need to, you know, follow up on and yeah, basically... Everyone, 
everyone plays to their strengths and they sing Kumbaya when they eventually realize, <laughs> oh, it's it's a giant radioactive lizard. How do we counterbalance that? Well, aside from building the city entirely out of lead, we should probably like, I don't, I don't know, sure. put some coolant in its body. And I'm like, there's no way that that can work. Like bullshit. That's going to work. <laughs> Surprise. And, and it's surprised. Uh, well, it didn't for the first two times. And I was just like, oh, okay, they're doing the whole rule of three. Um, I will say the effect of him being like alive and like, oh no, it didn't work to like him just being completely paralyzed was like, okay, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of instant. I was just like, oh, it didn't work. Oh, it worked. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> no, because by that point, you really are kind of wondering, or at least, you know, I speaking for myself, I, I kept thinking, okay, either the movie feels like it could be wrapping up or, you know, like what is this going to have a downer ending and we're going to watch, you know, Godzilla just complete his rampage. And because obviously if you're trying to make more films after this, you still want stuff that he can destroy. And obviously that's going to be a little bit difficult when, you know, yeah, to br- then bring him to the States. Yeah, dude, Godzilla world yeah. tour. Like no yeah. seriously, like you're gonna you're gonna destroy an island. I mean that that's an island, you know. And they even poked fun of that whole concept of like Godzilla invading in like Family Guy of all places. Like oh yeah, when Godzilla visited Haiti and Haiti's already on fire, and Godzilla's like oh my god, and then he goes back in the ocean. <laughs> so it's like, why not have like a you know Godzilla invade a country where it's like definitely more you know geographic area for him to like screw shit up but like uh if you want to make sort of a raw raw gung-ho american movie you'd set it in america um i I, i'd say just cut out the middleman if you're gonna have it be in japan but then call america anyway why not just have the next one in america you know you know what i'd be interested in seeing that like most definitely like another just godzilla attacking america kind of deal i'd say yeah if you want to further cut out the middleman have it uh like washington dc like if you want to stroke the pride a little bit more um otherwise you could have it start in california and make its way cross country see i was gonna say like what if it just started in texas just like for some reason godzilla goes to texas Texas. (laughs) boom right there and there (laughs) and and again like the 2014 movie has a lot of elements of that between godzilla going from i think like hawaii and then he makes it all the way to San Francisco, whereas the other monsters make it from somewhere in the United States. And then at some point they destroy Las Vegas. Um, they had and coming. then I think in the hmm. third movie, they had coming. I think in the third movie, they <laughs> they do destroy Washington, D.C. I, I, I want to say either Ghidorah or Rodan, mm-hmm. one, one of the monsters just completely obliterates the city. Um but then, you know, the other thing as well with this movie, of course, was, you know, we're, we're used to seeing Godzilla be a guy in a suit. Obviously, the American movies have primarily been just, you know, a big CGI tree trunk. Or in the case of the old 1990s one, he looked like a big T-Rex. Um, this go around, they used a combination of motion capture as well as puppetry. I knew that that's what I saw. At first, I thought it was like really good stop motion because there were some action mm. sequences. But I was just like, there's no way this is CG. 
because you know with puppetry it's going to be naturally like stinted or stunted I yeah say. um and there were some instances where it's like am i is this movie dropping frames like what's going on here um but I, that's what it was okay mm-hmm. and on top of that too you know i i mentioned how you know that use puppets it also used an upper body animatronic uh that was produced but Actually, oh, this is interesting. Went unused after Toho decided to create a completely CG Godzilla. Okay. Interesting. Well, it is cheaper. With, you know, the look of the creature, obviously he re- he wrecks havoc on Japan, as everybody, you know, is used to seeing. Uh, I, I think, if anything, too, with this movie, there is just that creep factor with it that, again, it, to me, it, it makes it feel like a perfectly good movie for this time of year yeah there's not too many horror elements yeah it's a big scary interpretation of the big lizard that people like to go to sleep with um not talking about husbands here but uh you know also just the fact that (laughs) just the fact that you know it gave it gave an idea of okay we can still make something uh, we can still make something that's as iconic as Godzilla and have him sort of go back to his roots of just being this unstoppable force of nature. And, you know, yeah, he's a little he's a little too OP in this movie, but that's fine. I, you know, the moment when all the, the missiles are falling on his head and he gets the little covers on his eyes. I mean, I I love that. Um, you know, it, it's just a little thing, but it's kind of like, yeah, this thing's unstoppable. What? Uh, what what you, you expecting it to not protect itself i mean come on um <laughs> and again too with the creep factor like when you see the devastation of japan which to be honest with you and, and i don't know if you guys caught this too there was almost an anime appearance to some of the devastation right after you know that that nighttime sequence when you see the flames just engulf the city like there's some straight up cg scenes but then there's some moments that looked a little cell shaded and had something it was like a it was like akira kind of thing yeah, yeah 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 and then of course you know he kind of slows down stops to kind of you know kind of chill a little bit and then catches breath yeah <laughs> he catches breath and then so you've also got his tail which oh. two two big things we'll talk about number one there used to be this weird theory that his tail, and this is something that you never really see in the film. You just see it on all of the like maquettes and you know behind the scenes stuff. That his tail appeared as if it was growing its own face, and the reason why a beam was coming out of it was because it was growing a mouth. And I've that's, seen that's some of those images, and it's a little creepy, just because it's like, yeah, that looks like a row of teeth at the end of a tail. Uh, what am I looking at? And is he still evolving? Um, and then, of course, you move on a little bit to, you know, all the characters. They've won the day. Godzilla is frozen. And there's that that last shot, which to this day still gives me chills just because it's like you're giving the most creepiest thing you've ever delivered in a Godzilla film. Where it slowly pans up to Godzilla goes up to his tail and then you notice his tail looks as if it's exploding and then you get all close up onto his tail and you start to see all of these 
emaciated, skeletal, humanoid bodies with Godzilla spines, but they all look like they're pulling themselves off of his body and they're like screaming and reaching out like they're, you know, coming off of his tail. And then hard cut Godzilla March. Um, Which also fantastic way to end that movie. Yes. Again, I just remember sitting in the theater watching that moment and just the chill that ran down my spine just because I'm thinking, you know, and by that point, I hadn't seen that many of the older Godzilla films. I had seen a handful. As of this recording, I've seen a fair, fair number of them, like maybe two thirds of them. And outside of that intro of Godzilla in Terror of Mechagodzilla that I won't shut up about, it's one of one of the most like amazing, you know, I don't want to say amazing, I don't mean amazing and like, oh, I've never seen anything like it, but like something in a film that's left me genuinely wanting more, but also just giving me this feeling of dread and uncertainty with a striking image, you know? And of course, Mm. people can go back to our Exorcist review, I love me some striking imagery. That was something that Exorcist 3 definitely had, and this movie, I think, has it twofold. Anyway, the tale, gents, <laughs> commence. Yeah, I, I was not ready for that to uh, happen. Yeah, I, it was one of those things where it's like the, the, the big laser, I think, shooting out of it was sort of like the oh, oh shit moment, aside from like, it's not over with the whole atomic breath thing in the beginning. Um, but we're, we're talking about the ending though, right? Yes, 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 okay. yes. So, so full disclaimer, Godzilla's petrified and, oh, everything's all great. You know, Godzilla can't move. So what's really the threat until you end up getting a close up shot of the tail, which ends up being like little spore creatures. I, I would actually probably equate them most. Sorry, I'm, I'm watching this dog right now, and I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> uh, I, I would I would most equate them to spore carriers in Fallout New Vegas, which are these humanoid, grunt, four-legged, Wendigo-looking things. Mm. Like I can't. That was I don't uncomfortable. Know. That was so uncomfortable playing through that part. Yeah, like like in a in a in a vault. Like it's just, and of course, you know, you have these things. It's not the fact that they're on his tail it's the fact that they comprise of his tail like like that is the texture of it and you think yeah. to yourself okay well you know it's a giant lizard of course you know reptilians they lay eggs this is not something that i expected and the fact that there's i want to say over probably hundreds if not thousands that equate to this one monster's tail you know maybe we we I don't know if we know exactly. There's I know that within the shot, I, it's at least like a dozen. No, it's a dozen, but you got to understand like that bulbous mass at the, the end of Godzilla's tail. It's like, okay, because we didn't get to see the tail up close and that end point. Like, except for that part. No, exactly. Except for that part. But then you realize that the texture of the tail being solidified, it slowly more, it slowly pans up to a shot of, these creatures now like breaking off and then you start to realize oh shit that's the tail it's not like eggs that have been that have been hatched it's like these beings comprise the tail so and i mean that's just the you know i'm not going to get into the logistics of it all but it's like that's just the tip of the tail like god forbid there's over a hundred of them 
then you yeah, have over a yeah. hundred of the same problem of what we just spent the last two hours trying to get rid of. Like this is what grows up into Godzilla. Like no thanks. Like I I very much wish that there would be a sequel. Just because yeah I want to see what's going to happen with those creatures. You know because mm-hmm. one of the things that I love about horror is like you know. As uh, Alfred Hitchcock says, there's no terror in the bang, only in the anticipation of it. And seeing these creatures at the end of the tale, at the end of the movie, I'm like, I want to know what happens when inevitably, you know, Godzilla unfreezes. Or maybe maybe Godzilla as a whole doesn't entirely unfreeze, but some of the creatures do and fall off and start Mm -hmm. wreaking havoc until eventually, you know, Godzilla is unfrozen. And then, holy shit, we have a giant lizard to deal with again. I'm so curious to be like, what would you do with this? What way would you utilize this new monster on that is the, you know, human sized? What kind of movie are you going to be able to make with these things alone? I mean, hell, yeah. you could probably even make an entire movie dealing with those things alone and then having the movie end with Godzilla unfreezing, which then goes yeah. way into number three. But, you know, that would take more like a Cloverfield uh, quarantined approach to it. And I made the comment to you yesterday that, you know, the dangerous avenue that this theoretical sequel could have gone down would have been uh, to basically be like the latter portion of the 98 Godzilla, where, you know, they again, the idea was we're going to ape off the success of Jurassic Park. That's why Godzilla looks way more bipedal than he typically does. And oh, by the way. Godzilla, yes, he's a he, but he's also pregnant. And, you know, he drops all these eggs in, uh, I think, Madison Square Garden in New York City. And they all hatch and they're all like human sized Godzillas. And, you know, obviously the whole the whole notion was, okay, these are going to be like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. When I described to you what these creatures in at the end of Shin Godzilla looked like. You brought up xenomorphs or one of us brought up the xenomorphs from the Alien franchise. And Mm -hmm. that could have been an interesting take if they decided we're going to lean into that for a future Godzilla film. And then maybe by the end of it, I actually never thought of that before of like, oh, Godzilla could reawaken by the end of it. And then you get your third film. But um, a whole movie just about those things would have been probably the creepiest Godzilla movie they have ever done that Toho's ever done. Cause again, they have leaned into the creep factor before, but never in a sense where it's just this bloodthirsty, just the sense of dread of these creatures out of your nightmares coming after you and knowing they came from Godzilla. And I sent a picture of the tail to you guys before these creatures come off of it. And there's some images there that resemble a human jaw. Yeah, that's that's really like, yeah, I, I mean, I was going to say I'm looking more so at like sure of like the scales alongside mm-hmm. it. And like I can't unequivocally see like these creatures being formed, but like I can understand why it would be like hidden within the, the skin, so to speak. Right, right a lot of the theories and discussion following the movie's release. And, you know, this is discussion that's basically been ongoing and it's, it's going to go nowhere because 
we won't find out more is, you know, whether or not Godzilla was going to further evolve to the point where, you know, he, he's no longer a giant lizard. He's multiple creatures, you know, which they, they've kind of, they've followed up on that with the anime that I was telling you guys about, which mm-hmm. I, 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 again, I don't recommend it. Um, Godzilla <laughs> himself looks cool. The music is great. The atomic breath effect is is pretty close to how it is in this movie, you know, because at the end of the day in that show, he is still supposed to be kind of like an avenging antihero and not this nightmarish force of nature that it's kind of our fault. He exists um, again. It, it's just it's a cool thing to think about just because you watch a good movie and, you know, if you walk away with more questions that realistically you don't really need answered then the way i see it that's fine that's great um it's part of the reason why i like this movie is just the fact that by the end of it you are left with more questions but you realize that you had such a good time and you can't wait to see it again so it's right right. it's well worth a recommend for me. I can't gush about this new movie enough. I've been talking about it for a year. So Sebastian, I'll stop talking about Shin Godzilla moving forward. Um, <laughs> That's but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess in closing, uh, what's, what's your guys' final thoughts on the film? I mean, I had a lot of fun with it and I love just the direction that it took and the kind of like claustrophobic feeling that it gave you the entirety of the time, because like you don't have time to act, but you need to right now. And, I haven't quite felt that from a movie in a while. Mm-hmm. You also mm-hmm. brought up the the cinematography and the direction too, and that that's mm-hmm. something that it caught my eye when I saw it, just because I'm like, wow, I, I just don't see, I just don't see enough movies that are like that, you know. So good good eye on that one. I mean the the, the bureaucracy that that word was probably tossed around so many times it'd be uh it'd be playing point guard. Uh, yeah, that word, you know, oh, government can't do anything. Government's incompetent. We got to take our matters into our own hands, which they eventually end up doing. I don't know. I guess if you want to look at it through the lens of something political, you could be like, oh, well, uh, I guess if there's ever a crisis, I'm not going to turn to my, uh, elected officials, ironically. But this was definitely an eye opener for me because I sort of expected the standalone exit for a Godzilla movie, which is basically, you know, Godzilla and the humans team up and fight an even greater evil, you know, like, Oh, you think that's bad. This is the real enemy kind of thing. Like in the 2014 version, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that it was more so of a, of an environmental crisis than it was like two monsters duking it out. Even though, as much as I would love to see two monsters duking it out, I think we've had that for about eh, 30-something-odd years. So, it was a nice spin. I definitely appreciated the direction that it took. I don't know. Uh, Big Lizard go is kind of my TLDR. (laughs) And and I should note, too, um, before I I, uh, ask Ryan one more question, um, I should note as well that all of the roars that Godzilla emits throughout the whole film, they're a progression of all of the various roar sound effects from the previous 60 years of Godzilla films. 
Really? Oh, so, okay, I thought it was 30. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. No, by, yeah. by by the time this movie came out, it had been, I think, 60 years since um, the American edit, I guess you could call it, of the first film. So it kind of fit that 60-year mark. But, um, yeah, when you first see him and he's got the googly eyes and blood's coming out of his gills and he's just got these little stumps for arms or proto-arms, what, whatever – he does give off a roar, and it's the same roar that you hear in the 1940, uh, 1954 movie, which they play again later on when he freezes. Um, so it sounds kind of distorted and, and almost like something's wrong or something's off with the creature's biology. But yeah, no, that, that was always, you know, it's an iconic roar. They use all the Godzilla music that you like. Uh, of course I had to make a Simon says reference because, you know, <laughs> he, he, he used the theme song and Toho was not happy. Um, right. I don't, I don't blame him. Um, now Ryan, I, I have to ask you something because you brought something up while we were watching the film that I think just adds that much more of a atmosphere to our own viewing. Cause you know, we we did this in person. Surprise, surprise, ladies and gents. Uh, we were back at it, Sebastian and I, with with friend. Uh, we were back at it in person with beers and pizza. Um, <laughs> but we were in a haunted house, yes. you say? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we we were watching the movie at the house that I'm currently staying at, which was my late grandmother's house. And, like... Yeah, this house used to be haunted as fuck. <laughs> and I say used to because the ghost actually left with my grandmother when she passed away. And I was kind of like, cool, great. She didn't go alone. That's awesome. However, my entire life growing up, anytime I would come to this house, you would never you'd always feel like there's something watching you because mm. there was. And like. This is one of those ghosts that made herself well known and. Like, you know, she would like swing chandeliers around and stuff like that. Or in some cases, the family actually like talk to you. Mind you, no one in the family ever talked to each other about their own experiences because we are we all collectively were like, we're all crazy. There's no way. One giant familial gaslighting from the afterlife. <laughs> and so for a little bit more backstory on that, this little girl was I don't know from what time period, but. There were slaves at the time because she was a house slave and the man of the house. The health story goes, the man of the house got really angry at her for some reason. And I forget the actual details on why, but it came down to he battered her with his bare hands enough to knock her out. And then he tossed her into the well where she drowned, which we also then found maybe like. Five, six years ago, we then found the actual well underneath my mom's old room. And uh, that was uncomfortable. The ring. Yeah, like they were doing renovations. They started pulling out actual bricks and we're like, put that shit back. We're not going to disturb anything's resting place for the love of God. Yeah. So like for years, at least like, I don't know, 30 plus years. Well, actually longer now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. Probably like probably 40, 50 years, maybe like since my grandmother's owned, well, owned this house, that ghost has always been here. Hmm. 
it, it was just it just it adds so perfectly to sitting here watching scary movies and being like oh right i forget sometimes there might be weird noises in this house and i can't just tell myself it was nothing because that's an outright lie there's always something here <laughs> i've always been a fan of the occult i've had my experiences with them personally i think i've even mentioned them on the show i know we're at the end but it's always fun to hear these types of stories because you know you 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 tell them in the wrong crowd and they think oh well you know i don't believe you naturally it's like but then you end up having people who have had similar experiences and they're just like you know that's pretty plausible for all the media that's been done about this specific scenario that you're describing it's like that doesn't seem too far out of the realm of possibilities. And I'm sure if you were to dig through the floorboards and find the well and summon the courage to actually dismantle it brick by brick, you'd know, you'd no doubt find maybe, maybe remains. But ugh, creeps me out just thinking about it. I just find it really funny how like out of like the 28 years of my life, it wasn't until I was like 26 25, 26, when we were on a family vacation out in Sonoma and we're all sitting there at some random Italian restaurant and the ghost gets brought up and then collectively everyone in the house is like, oh my God, you've had an experience too, so it's not just me. And that was the (laughs) only time in my entire life that we all collectively acknowledged the ghost in the house. And then we never spoke of it again, except for making jokes here and there about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's just sort of one of those silent things that like, you're in mutual agreement on because if you end up having a malevolent spirit in your house, that's one thing. But if it's benevolent, it's just like, well, it's just it's kind of there. I mean, yeah, you're like you're like a roommate. It's a, you're rent, like a roommate. It. You don't pay rent, I'm, but you know. I mean, that, that's kind of how I'm I'm reacting to uh, the the line about 25 and 26 that this all kind of comes into frame, and I'm I'm just thinking silently, 25, 26. Yeah, it checks out. It checks out. That's 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 the age. Those are the ages. That makes sense. Smashing got something to look forward to. Um, oh, great. Wait, are you saying that you had a paranormal experience at twenty five, twenty six? <laughs> Let me tell you about a little something called COVID nineteen. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, gents. No, this was fun. Uh, definitely got to do this again in the the near future. Find some other <laughs> random random movie and decide to just be like, hey, do we want to scar ourselves today or do we want to pick something apart? Ooh. I feel I feel like we could do like a post Halloween episode where we can get together, you know, soon ish, but we come with the pretense of it being like, okay, we're gonna watch something messed up. Bring <laughs> beer, bring pizza, like we'll have it be like Hey, like you free at like three thirty three in the morning, like make it like a ritualistic time. Oh we'll watch gosh. like a movie and Only if we can wear robes. Be... Oh yeah. No, wear robes new by candlelight. Like, like light candles. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We'll see you soon. See Happy you Halloween. Nightmares. <laughs> You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. 
Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Urbrick, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>